This is a Sandy Boy Productions podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to All Have Another Podcast with Lindsay Hine. I'm your host, Lindsay, and I'm so excited to have you joining us today. Did you catch the episode I dropped on Monday? We have introduced a new podcast to the Sandy Boy Productions Podcast Network, and I could not be more excited for this show. It is called Ready to Run with Kurt Roser. He is a doctor of physical therapy. He specializes in orthopedics practicing in Boulder County. Kurt is also a competitive runner. He completed the 2020 Olympic trials in the marathon. He's a 217 marathoner. And the other host is Dr. Efren Kabbalas. He's a doctor of sports medicine, orthopedics, specializing in sports, ultrasound, orthobiologics, and running injuries. Both of these clinicians work with athletes in the Boulder area. They work with a lot of pros you probably know about, and the first two episodes are with Neely Spence Gracie and Parker Stenson, both people who have been on this podcast before. And in this show, they're going to dive into some interviews with athletes they work with, but they're also going to dive into interviews with clinicians and do some quick hit conversations with just the two of them where they go over specific injuries and ways to prevent them and ways to treat them. All right. So go follow these guys on Instagram, ready to run podcast. And you can listen to this show on Apple podcasts, Spotify, Google podcasts, Stitcher, anywhere you listen to podcasts. And if you want to hear more about the show, listen to the episode I posted on Monday on this podcast, introducing the show where I interview Dr. Kabbalas and Kurt. Okay, friends, today you are listening to episode 388. And my guest is Maddie Alm. Maddie is a registered dietitian and she has her own practice called Fueling Forward. She specializes in sports nutrition for endurance athletes and she has a unique journey of her own as an average high school runner to an NCAA D1 All-American to a USA Olympic trials finalist. So she has a lot of personal experience She had a huge year last year in 2021, qualifying for her first Olympic trials. She was ranked 29th in the 5,000 meters and went on to run and placed 12th in the finals at the trials. She PR'd in the 1500, 3K, 5K, road 6K, and 10 miler. And she debuted the half marathon in 7131 at the Houston half. She runs with Team Boss, coached by Joe Bosshard. And I know that you are going to love getting to know Maddie in this episode. All right, friends, this episode of the podcast is supported by Viore. And this is an athletic brand that I have been wearing for four years now. I love their clothes. They're simple, they're stylish, and they are so comfortable. If you're going to start anywhere with Viore, I would 100% start with their performance joggers. I have three pair and I'm wearing the black ones right now, actually. All of their apparel is designed to work out in, but doesn't look or feel like it. They have great men's apparel as well. My husband wears a lot of Viore and I'm excited to share a 20% off discount for you all. 
Not only will you save 20% off your first purchase, but you can enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns. Just go to Viori, V-U-O-R-I.com slash another and discover this amazing brand. That is Viori.com slash another, and that 20% will be automatically applied to your purchase at checkout, uh, and that is for first orders. All right. Enjoy my conversation with Maddie Alm. All right. Well, today on I'll Have Another Podcast, we have Maddie Alm on the show. Welcome to the show, Maddie. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. How's life in Boulder? I'm actually up in Crested Butte right now at Altitude Camp, so it is amazing. (laughs) It's beautiful out here. Beautiful. I was reading that you're like a Boulder lifer, though. You've been in Boulder your whole life. Yes, I think I'm one of very few. I don't know a ton of people who like actually were born and raised in the Boulder area and stayed there. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can truly be one of those people that's like, don't move to my town. We're too, we're too full. Yeah, exactly. A true native. <laughs> <laughs> what was that like growing up in Boulder? So I grew up in Louisville, which is about 20 minutes outside of Boulder. Um, and it was great. I mean, you're close to Denver, you're close to Boulder. It was a small community. I had like the classic cul-de-sac where we played kickball and all that stuff. You know, I could walk to school and um, it was really great. I loved living in Colorado. We had obviously four seasons, which is something special. When I lived in California, we didn't have that. And I realized I did miss that. So Colorado has a little bit of everything. You get the winter sports, you get summer hiking and lots of fun weather in between. So I I really love it here. And I tried leaving and then I came back because I missed it too much. So I think I'm biased, but it's a great place to be. (laughs) I'm so torn about the like the how you mentioned the cul-de-sac thing, because we lived in the city for a long time and we just moved to a more suburb feeling neighborhood. And I like miss parts of being like in a city urban feel but man my kids are just living the dream I just like I I lived out in the country growing up so I didn't have these neighbors so close by I'm like y'all have like built-in playmates that can just show up at any time like this is the dream exactly it's so fun such a fun place to grow up (laughs) so you went to California when you went and got your master's right right yeah I went to San Diego State okay how long did you live there for I lived there for two years. And then after that, I went to Nashville where I did my residency to be a dietitian. So I kind of tried out a few new places in different parts of the U.S. Um, And like I said, I ended up back here. So, (laughs) man, those are really cool places to live, though. San Diego and Nashville. You got you got a little landlock in Nashville. I guess you're landlock in Boulder, too. But that's kind of cool to get the different the different uh, vibes of all the different places. Yeah, it was super fun. I've always loved the beach. And like growing up, I loved palm trees because I associated them with vacation. So it was really fun to have like palm trees in my front yard and the beach 10 minutes away. So that was a super fun experience. And although I did kind of miss the winter, it was really great to have like 70 and sunny all the time for two full years. (laughs) I literally can't imagine. The only downfall, the only downfall I would say has got to be like, you don't, you probably can't appreciate it as much because you don't ever have the nasty days that we sometimes get here. Yeah. Well, and my thing was like Christmas didn't feel like Christmas because there was no snow. It was like weird putting up Christmas trees in like 70 degrees. <laughs> it was just, it was very different, but I really did enjoy it for sure. <laughs> okay. So tell us a little bit about your story with running. I know you ran for CU, you were all American. 
and you had a little bit of a break time maybe after when you were doing your dietitian thing and now you're like you just had just a crazy last year so tell us about your love story with running yeah thanks I feel like running for me kind of found me I always played soccer my parents tried to get me to run and I was like no I hate running I won't do it unless I'm chasing a ball this seems so stupid um so I refused and I put it off for a really long time I started running my junior year of high school and of course loved it Um, I actually did not run my freshman year in college. I decided I ran for a week and then I quit (laughs) um, because I thought it was too hard and I didn't know anything about running. So, you know, like CU has a really high caliber team. It's a very intense environment. And for someone who just wants to have fun, that wasn't really the vibe I was going for. So I ended up quitting and took my freshman year as what I call like a normal person. Um, (laughs) You know, I didn't, I really didn't exercise for like six months or something. It was crazy. Um, But then I decided I missed it. And I came back, I actually walked onto the team, and was by far the slowest on the team, um, getting my butt kicked every single workout, never had anyone to run with. Um, But then I just kind of stuck with it and and continued to work really hard. And a couple years later, I made the conference team, which was really special because it was actually in Louisville, Colorado, where I grew up. So that was super fun. People from my childhood and high school and everyone came to watch, which was really, really special. Um, And then I ended up getting better and continuing to improve. And by my fifth year, I was an All-American and made it to NCAAs and outdoor um, in the 1500. And Mark Wetmore was like, have you thought about running after college? And I had already committed to going to grad school and being a dietitian. And I was like, no. And he's like, well, you should, you know, your times are getting fast. Like you could keep going. So I then had to make the hard decision to, do I just go on with my career path or do I keep running? And me being me always putting too much on my plate, I picked both. So (laughs) (laughs) I tried um, running and doing grad school and working. It was a lot. I did it, but it was something I probably wouldn't do again. Um, it was very challenging. And then when I went to Nashville for my residency, um, it's like 40 plus hour weeks plus school. And then I was also training. So it was a lot at once. Um, and then I finally, when I finished everything and became a dietitian, had the space to really focus on running. And I think that's when I was able to see, you know, what my full potential could be. And then this past year, it really all clicked together. Um, and I ended up making the final and the 5K at the trials. So it's been a very long journey, but I really loved every minute of it. And I've been able to have a lot of balance outside of running, which is really important to me. Um, so I wouldn't trade my journey for every, anything. It wasn't easy, but I love where I am now and I'm, I'm really happy to be here. So as I blurred that a little bit. You didn't really take a break, it sounds like. You were just kind of like figuring out your footing and trying juggling a lot at once. Right. And I wasn't I mean, again, I wasn't fully pursuing like professional running or anything because I didn't really know what that meant. So I was still running, but it looked very different. So you could kind of call it a break, I guess. I didn't really, I had no direction with my running there for like, you know, six months after college. You know, but what stands out to me is that you took that break your freshman year that you were smart enough to know like, do I want my first year of college to be this experience? I've, I always think about that with athletes and particularly with runners because it's such a full year sport really if you do track and cross and it's like the academics the social and then the full-on 
running like that's really hard to balance at 18. Yeah, it was it was definitely too much for me. And so I have a lot of respect for high schoolers who are kind of those phenoms and come into college with a lot of expectations. I have a lot of respect for those athletes because that is not an easy transition to make. So it, it was definitely something that was challenging for me. And I'm glad I gave myself that space. Um, and I was able to make a lot of friends outside of running, which again, that's something that's important to me having friends who don't know what a 5k is and they're <laughs> like, Oh, cool. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, that was, that was definitely something that I think allowed me to really be successful in running to have that balance, but it is a really hard transition. Okay. Let's talk about this. You walking on, first of all, can anybody like, what did you have to prove to show like I'm good enough to even walk on, especially to program like CU, like they're not going to just let someone that's jogging like a 30 minute 5k walk onto their program. Right. Yeah. So I had emailed um, Mark Wetmore at the beginning of the summer. My coach from high school had known Mark. And so they had connected. And initially I was an invited walk on my freshman year. Um, but then when I fully walked on, I had to email them back and be like me again, I'm back. (laughs) Um, (laughs) how can I walk onto the team again? And so he said, you have to run, you know, this time at our time trial in the fall, we'll see you in September. And so I just trained by myself all summer. Um, my college coach helped me and actually Laura Thweet, who I now co-coach with at the same high school, um, sorry, I think I said college coach. I meant high school coach. Um, helped me kind of train throughout the summer and get ready for CU. And then in the fall, I showed up. My parents drove me and I didn't know like what to do for a warm up. I just kind of jogged around by myself. And I don't even know if I put flats on. I just kind of like was like, OK, here we go. I got to run this time. And and I did. So do you <laughs> remember like, the time? Okay, well, oh, my gosh. It was a 6K or something. I feel like it was maybe 23. 3:30 or something and I ran maybe like 20 seconds under it or something. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, I definitely like got the time. Um and so I went up to Mark in the middle of all the other CU athletes and was like, "Hey, I, I ran the time." <laughs> and he's like, "Okay, great. Come to practice on uh... on Monday." And so I was like, "Oh, cool." And then I realized I didn't know what that meant or where to go and I went to Balch Field House and you have to have a code to get in. And I remember the door was locked. So I'm like looking through the window (laughs) and Mark is very precise with time. So practice starts at two. And if you're there at 155, you're late. Okay. I got there at two because I'm Uh (laughs) so the entire team is in like their stretching circle and I'm knocking on the door. I made quite the entrance Um, (laughs) and was just so clueless that I didn't even know to be embarrassed about it. But (laughs) Now, looking back, I'm like, oh, my gosh, I can't imagine what the team was thinking when I showed up. <laughs> oh, that's so good. Uh, to be late is uh, two o'clock is to be late if you're supposed to be there at two. That is like yeah. that is a good thing to start teaching kids at a young age too. like yes. being on time. Um, OK, what I love about this story, though, is you have some confidence here. You know, like it has to be intimidating to be a walk on when you know these these women are running these like insane times and know that like you're probably going to be doing some of these workouts by yourself and you know even as you have like been progressing with team boss now like you've had to do that again and so talk to me about having the confidence to be like I belong here I can do this and then to like believe you're going to have that progress Yeah, I think at first it was more naivety than it was confidence. I had no idea what I was getting into. I really didn't know anything about running. Like there's a lot of high schoolers who follow the Mm. sport really closely and know names and know times. And 
I knew none of that. <laughs> I just knew I wanted to run. So I think that actually helped me because if I had known what I was getting into, I might have been too intimidated to go through with it. Um, but as soon as I got there, I quickly realized like, oh, yeah, this is the real deal. Um, and it took me a while to kind of get into that groove of having confidence. And I think knowing that, yeah, there's probably people here who see me like I, times, for example, I think when I came in, I ran like a 5, 10, 1500, which is, you know, for a CU person, not great. And I was excited about it. And I think when that happened, I know like the coaches and probably other people on the team were like, what is this girl doing here? Nothing's going to happen for her, which is fair. I get it. Um, it's not often that you are able to get your time down that much. So I think for me, it was just knowing that if I keep showing up and doing what I can do every day, push myself a little more, try to hang on to a group for one more mile each time or whatever, um, you know, I think I'm going to get better. And I did. And by my fifth year, I think everyone was pretty shocked <laughs> when I was able to run 414 in the 1500, take almost a full minute wow. off my 1500 time. Um, but it wasn't, you know, like, it's easy to be like, oh, she came out of nowhere. But that was a really, really long four year progress of sticking with it, despite a lot of discouraging days where, like I said, I had no one to run with, or I just was getting my butt kicked. And um, I think it wasn't necessarily confidence, but it was just believing in myself and knowing that I want to be here. I loved, I love being here. And I think if I keep working hard, I can get to where I want to be. Um, and then, you know, fast forward to being on team boss, exactly like you said, it was kind of like, oh, we're back to the same point. Um, and I think it helped me having had that experience in college because I knew I can work my way up. I can't panic because I'm getting, you know, my butt kicked in workouts by Emma Coburn. Like, of course, she's going to be beating me up and down the track because she's a world class athlete. Um, so it was just, again, kind of finding my groove, finding a way to stay motivated and stay, you know, involved and really just keep working hard every day to finally work my way up to having workout buddies and being part of the group. And um, yeah, it was kind of history repeating itself, but I knew a little bit more going into Team Boss what that was like. So I was able to not panic and not get stressed and just know if I keep working, I can get there. That's so good. I love the not panic thing because <laughs> we often default to panic. Where do you think the self-belief in that hard work ethic came from? That's a good question. I mean, my parents have always really encouraged me to just try new things and do things that I enjoy. And um, it's really easy to get caught up in that comparison trap and, you know, see, oh, I'm never going to be as good as this person. So why am I even trying? Mm -hmm. But for me, it was never about being as good as somebody else. It was about being the best that I could be, whatever that means, and reaching my full potential, which is different than Emma Coburn's full potential. And that's okay. Um, so I think learning to adjust your mindset when it comes to what it means to be successful and reach your goals was really important to me. Um, and that I think is what allowed me to just continue to stay motivated. Like this is your game. This is yeah. not anybody else's game. Mm -hmm. Like I'm doing this for myself because I want to be here. So I might as well work hard and try to get the most I can out of it. All right, friends, I want to tell you about Vionic shoes, the most supportive shoes ever. I have some pretty weird feet. I have really high arches. 
And having good recovery shoes is so important to me. When I'm not running, and I do run with orthotics, when I'm not running, I need to have a shoe that is supporting my arch. And that is what Vionic shoes do for me. Recovery matters in every way. If I'm gonna spend hours of my week running and training, I'm gonna make sure I'm taking good care of my feet. The new Vionic recovery sandals deliver results. They have supportive and cushioned layers that work together to generate active recovery. I've been wearing the Rejuvenate Recovery Sandal to the pool when I'm out running errands, and I cannot believe how supported my arch feels. I don't think I can go back to regular flip-flops. I really don't. And my feet definitely don't want me to. So check them out. All of this is no stress. Vionic's 30-day risk-free trial means there's no reason not to buy. Wear them, love them, or return them for a full refund within 30 days if you're not satisfied for any reason at all. So enjoy free shipping at vionicshoes.com and use the promo code ANOTHER. That's vionicshoes.com and use the code ANOTHER. All right, back to the show. Okay, let's talk about this last year. You ran PRs in the 15, the 3K, the 5K, the road 6K, the 10 miler. You qualified (laughs) for the trials. You placed 12th when you were ranked 24th in the final at the 5K at the trials, the 5,000. Massive year, ran your first half marathon, 71 minutes, like so many big things happen. Um, And, you know, you mentioned this with CU as well. It wasn't like, Maddie came out of nowhere. It was like all these years that had built up to this, you know, big year where you ran that fast time. You became All-American. Talk to us about what built you to this past year. Yeah, I mean, I really think it was just staying patient these past few years. And Joe's a really great coach in that he knows what each person can do and what they need. And for me, a lot of it was just getting consistency. I had a really big injury coming out of Nashville because I think I was doing too much at once and I didn't have the recovery that I needed. So a lot of that was kind of building back from that, getting stronger physically, doing a lot more in the weight room and doing a lot more Um, just longer, like endurance based stuff, which is something I really needed getting my mileage up, like up higher in college. I think I maxed out at 55, which is kind of low for CU's program. Um, and now I'm at between 75 and 80 and it took a while to get there, but you know, we did it really smart and slow and, um, just really building that base and kind of getting more consistent with training was a huge key and knowing that, okay, maybe I'm not going to see the results this year or even next year, but when it matters that Olympic trials year, my huge goal was to qualify for the trials and, you know, actually run the standard and not get in on the descending order list, which is always how I had to get in in the past. So just having that security of knowing I was in was my huge goal. Um, when I saw the standard of 1520, I was definitely intimidated because at that time, I think my 5k PR was like 1545. So I knew it was going to have to be a really big drop, but again, just focusing on, okay, what can I do each day at practice to make that happen? And Joe was great at challenging me. If I were dropping off the group, he's like, no gaps, stay up there, stay engaged, you know, really learning how to mentally make that switch from like, 
oh, this hurts, I want to quit, which I think is what I do a lot in the past is what I did a lot um, to like, okay, it's hurting. How much tougher can I be than everybody else? So it was a lot of practicing. I think runners don't use the term practice enough because, you know, we think, oh, we're just running versus like soccer, you're doing drills mm-hmm. and you're practicing, but you can really practice what the race day is going to be like in, in practice. And that's what I tried to do. And, um, you know, eventually we got to the race day and I remember like coming around with one lap to go and Joe's like, you have to run a whatever. I think he said like 75 or something. And, and then he told me later, he's like, I had no idea what you needed to run. I couldn't do the math that fast. I just yelled at you to run fast. Um, and I ended up running 1519. So I just snuck under the standard, um, which was super exciting. That was one of my favorite races and everyone was so excited for me. So it was just fun to see like all those years of hard work pay off. And it was really worth the long, the long game, I guess, that it took me to get there. Um, and then at the trials, I was ranked towards the bottom because I had just snuck in under the standard. Um, and Joe's like, you know, we're not just here because we're happy to be here. We're here to compete. Like, let's take it one step further. Let's make the final. And I did. And so that was really exciting to not only compete well, but get into the final and, and feel good and race hard. So it was very encouraging to have all that come together. And it was very motivating for what I could do in the future. And going into the road races and all that this summer and fall. Um, how do you like, how did you keep your mind set on that long game though? That's really hard to do when you're like in it and you're like pouring in day after day. And then also on the other side of that, it's like, I feel that some people could, it could be a lot of pressure to know that like I'm putting these years, years into it for what I know is going to take a couple years and then that one year is going to be hopefully my big year. You know, you're kind of focused right. on the trials. How do you like minimize the pressure and like stay where you are? Yeah, I think the the big thing for me is, again, I'm just doing this because I love it. And so showing up each day is something I enjoy. I don't feel like I'm forcing myself to do it. And I told myself if I ever got to that point, I would probably stop running because that's not what I want to do. Um, in college, I think my last year, because again, I had kind of like worked my way up and Mark's like, you could be an all American. I did put a lot of pressure on myself in cross country and I crumbled a little bit (laughs) in the cross country national championships. I finished 47th and 40th as all American. So I just missed it. It was like seconds. Um, and that was really hard because I think I didn't race to my full potential because I was so nervous about getting all American. It really got to me. Um, and I told myself after that, I was like, you don't need to do that. You know, you've done all this work you've put in so much time. I mean, again, not comparing myself to others, but my journey has definitely been very unique in that I have not been in a position where I could be all American and just being in a position where that was an option is really exciting. And so taking that pressure off of myself and saying, even if I don't achieve all American or, the trial standard, I'm really proud of what I've done and how hard I've worked. And that is still successful. And when I got to the start line for that 5k to run, I was like my one shot basically to run the standard. Um, and two weeks before that, I had a terrible race in Kansas. I ran like 1555 wow. and all out was just like, this was so hard. How the heck am I going to run 40 seconds faster? Um, I just learned to like leave those races behind me 
remember all the hard work I've done. I like to pick a hard workout that I got through and remember like, if I can do that, then I can do this. Um, and just instead of making it pressure, like I have to run this time because I have to get into the trials, just say, saying to myself, like, you can run this time and that's really cool. And it's, it's going to be cool no matter what, but if you run as hard as you can, whatever happens, you can't be disappointed. Um, so I did, I ran so hard that I remember I like couldn't see or hear anything the last couple (laughs) of laps. And so Joe uses that as a reference now for future races. He's like, I want you to go deaf in this race. That's his (laughs) new like thing. If I'm running really hard and I can't hear or see anything. Um, so it was really cool to just, you know, I guess see myself achieve that goal and succeed and remember that pressure isn't coming from anyone. It's just a goal that I want to achieve. And it's kind of the cherry on top of everything I've already done if I achieve it. That's so good. How do you balance? Cause you mentioned, um, you know, the workouts where you are barely hanging on and you've mentally figured out how to close the gap sometimes. How do you manage that with, you know how they always say like, you can't go fully to the well in a workout. It has to be on a race. But then again, like you do have to do some big breakthrough workouts to get to those races. So how do you manage that? Yeah. So Joe's again, really good. His training, I would say majority of it is very manageable. We do a lot of like long stuff, a little slower, but more reps, things like that. So the majority of our workouts to me have been very mentally manageable, And he only really asks that of us a few times a year. So I know when he does, it's like game on. It's You got to be ready to go with this workout. And that can definitely be stressful. But I think um, that's where I've really learned to focus on like running the lap that I'm in, taking it one rep at a time, not getting so far ahead of myself and being like, oh, that was so hard. How am I going to do five more of those? Um, You know, just focusing on each one individually that I think it was a really big skill for the 5k, just running the lap that I'm in, running the mile that I'm in, you know, staying engaged. And then if there is a gap, what I tend to, what I've done in the past is panic and just blow up and totally like go from just a few seconds behind to like 10 to 20 seconds behind. And I've learned throughout this process with team boss that there can be a middle ground. Like Mm -hmm. you don't have to have a great day or a terrible day there can be just a good or fine day and you still get something from it. So reminding myself again, that whole not panicking thing, I think that's kind of my mantra. Just don't panic. Um, Like it's okay if you're, if there's a little bit of a gap, if you can just maintain that gap, don't let the gap get bigger or next time keep the gap the same or whatever it is like focusing on readjusting my goal and my mindset within that rep has really helped me not panic and totally blow up and just realize like, okay, even if I'm a few seconds back, I'm a few seconds back from Olympians and that's great. So it helps me to stay engaged, to find a new goal and just really focus on that instead of being like, oh, that's it. I'm off. Workout's over. I I failed. This was bad. (laughs) That's so good. I think that people just, people do that too. They're like, it's over. It's done. I'm having a terrible day. It's like, why don't you just like slow down a little bit, calm down and get your head back in the game. Like it, I love that yeah. mentality. I think that's so good. Just like any day of the week, no matter what you're running or whatever you're doing, it's like, it doesn't have to be the best day of my life. It doesn't mm-hmm. it also doesn't have to be the worst day of my life. So exactly. let's like accept good and fine. Yes. That's, that's a exactly. great takeaway. I love that. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's talk about running with 
team boss and what you've learned from the ladies on the team and as well as Joe. Oh man, I've learned so much from all of them. It's been such a great experience to be part of this team. I think learning that like fine days are just as good has definitely been something I've taken away from them. Um, you know, I think about like Corey last year had some really great workouts, but she also had some like not great workouts and she still made the Olympics and made the final there and did awesome. And so reminding myself that every day doesn't have to be spectacular. If you're getting the work in, you're gaining something from it, especially on those days where it is really, really tough. I think a lot of us, when we see these high level athletes think they just always feel great and they're ready to go and they feel motivated all the time and they always love running. And that's not true. Like everyone has days where they're like, I don't want to do this. You know, it's so windy and this sucks or whatever. There's, there's, you know, everyone has days where it's just not feeling like their day, but to see them find a way to get it done and still get through it and still have a good or decent day has been really inspiring to me just knowing, okay, maybe I'm not the only one who doesn't feel great today, but we're still going to get through it together. Or, you know, maybe every day doesn't have to feel awesome. I don't have to feel super motivated every day to still get this work done. Um, That's been really great. I think getting confidence too from the training that you've done is something I've learned from them. Um, You know, they never let other people posting about their workouts freak them out or anything like that. Just really trusting Joe and trusting the process and knowing that there's a hundred different ways to get to the start line, but you have to believe that yours is what is best for you. And when you get there, you're just as ready to go as somebody else who posted about a super intimidating workout that you're like, I don't think I could ever do that workout, but you can still line up next to them and maybe even beat them in a race. So having that confidence is something I think I've kind of always struggled with just being like a confident person and putting big goals out there for other people to see and hear Um, and seeing them do that as a way to almost hold themselves accountable has helped me be like, okay, you're not being um, like really, I don't know, what's the word, the opposite of humble (laughs) by saying, I want to make the final at the Olympic trials. That's being ambitious. That's being confident. That's trusting the process. That's not being um, cocky. Cocky. There we go. That's what I'm looking for. Exactly. Yes. Um, So that's been good for me too. Like learning how to be confident and know it's okay to put big goals out there. Um, and that's part of why we do what we do every day because we're ready for that. Yeah, that's really good. Um, what did you think about the Boston Marathon and your new teammate, Scott Fobble, placing seventh? Oh my gosh, that was so inspiring. Both Scott and Emma Bates really ran incredible marathons. I think Joe is definitely an up and coming, um, one of the best U.S. marathon coaches, I think, because of the way he does his training. They were both just so ready to go and so confident in their training and their their race plan that it didn't throw them off when they were really far back from big groups of people. And to see them both, like, I think Emma negative split and, and Scott ran the exact identical split to the second, the second half of his marathon. Um, and just seeing them, like, get confidence that second half and really move up, that's kind of, to me, that, like, patience piece of knowing okay, I'm going to trust the process. I'm not going to panic because I got dropped. I'm going to do what I need to do. And by the end, they're just catching people left and right and um, really gaining a lot of strength. And that was just so inspiring to see from both of them. And it was really great to see Joe's hard work pay off because he's put a lot of work into 
you know, figuring out what marathon training should look like and navigating a lot of really tough weather days in Boulder. Um, so it was really great to see all that work come together at the right time and just see them both crush it has been really inspiring. Yeah, that's so awesome. Yeah, it's it's got to be intimidating. You know, Scott, as a spectator, it was kind of strange because I didn't even realize he was just like rolling people up like boom, 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 boom. Because I mean, they can only really keep the camera on the front pack. I know they only have so much access, but like you mm-hmm. didn't realize, I guess if you were tracking him on the app, you would have. Right. Um, but yeah. I didn't realize how like how much he was moving forward. And then all of a sudden I'm looking at the finish line and I'm like, holy crap, there's Scott Fobble. Like where yeah. did he come from? So yeah, exciting. It was, it was so fun. We were all watching together up in Crested Butte and we had Kate Grace was there um, and Joe was obviously there as well. And so we were getting texts from them on the course, like now he's in 19th, now he's in 20th Oh, cool. or whatever opposite. And then we're watching on the screen and we could, we're like looking for him in the distance and we're like, there's Scott. And, um, you know, we just, we could tell he was moving up. So it was really exciting to see him move up and we knew everyone was going to be surprised to see him in that top 10. Um, but that was, it was so cool to see him just like move up and just keep it rolling and getting all the texts in the, in the group text and everyone being together. It was just, it was a very, um, it hype environment. It was so exciting. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, that's one of those things. One of many reasons that being a part of a team is like so, so much fun. Mm -hmm. Um, and that had to be so redeeming for him too. I mean, I know it's been like kind of a hard couple last couple of years with high expectations coming off his performance in Boston a couple of years ago when he placed seventh. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And that's something else I've learned from the team is how to navigate high expectations because every single one of my teammates has a a big expectation, you know, on their shoulders, whether it's they're the returning champion of this or they're an Olympian or they have the fastest time in the field or whatever it is. I think seeing them navigate that with such um, poise and grace has been really cool to see. And just, again, readjusting my mindset about what pressure means. It's kind of a privilege to have that pressure on you because that means you've done something great. So I think it's been cool to see how they navigate that. And um, it's helped me feel more calm on start lines and realize like, well, first of all, my pressure is so much less than theirs that I'm like, I can't even complain. Um, But just knowing they can execute when there is all that pressure makes me feel like, well, if they can do it, I can do it. Do you want that pressure one day though? That's a great question. I think I'm ready for it. I used to feel like, oh no, that's not what I want. I I like being under the radar. I like just doing this for myself, which is all true. But I think I like knowing that maybe I've earned a little bit of pressure Mm. um, and I'm not as afraid of it. So I do think it's something that like this year, especially I can handle I, it's been funny to see my name be listed as like some of the bigger names in the race. I'm like, whoa, why is my name on there? With all these <laughs> other people? And then I'm like, okay, you earned that. You worked hard. You had a really good season. So um, yeah, I think I'm, I'm ready for it. I, I, I don't think it's necessarily something that I'm like, yes, give me that pressure. But I do think I can handle it. And um, I, I guess I would welcome it, I would say. <laughs> yeah. And then at what point does it turn into like, I'm not an underdog. Like I am one of the names and just like totally owning it like that that feeling of why is my name there that's gonna go away soon if it hasn't already hopefully yeah I'd like to think so it's kind of not my personality type to think that way but I'm trying to work on that and again knowing that like 
my name's not just on there because someone put it on there. It's like I worked really hard and earned that that spot on that race announcement or whatever. So, um, yeah, I'm definitely trying to to work on how I approach that and knowing, okay, I I do belong up here. I can compete with the top women in this race, and I'm going to do my best to do that. This episode of the podcast is sponsored by Inside Tracker. What Inside Tracker does is they create evidence-based solutions that are simple, clear, and actionable. You get your blood work done and they test and not only test, but analyze your blood, your DNA, your lifestyle, and your nutrition habits and tell you how to live, look, age, and perform better. Here's the thing. I'm about to train for a fall marathon and I am not about to start this training without knowing what my iron is. Is my magnesium high enough? How are my vitamins in my body looking? Am I deficient in any sort of nutrient that is important to be a super active human? And Inside Tracker tests the blood, you get your results, and they actually have an app on your phone which is so simple to just look up your results on and they will give you actionable items. For instance, my iron isn't low, low, but it's definitely not optimized and they have given me steps and foods that I should take to help increase that iron in my body. Moral of the story is I need to eat more beans, apparently. Um, you all can save though when you go to insidetracker.com slash another and that'll get you 20% off the entire Inside Tracker store for a limited time. Uh, use the code ANOTHER if you don't go to that exact landing page. InsideTracker.com slash ANOTHER should automatically apply it. If it doesn't, use the code ANOTHER at checkout. Get your training started right. Get it started off on the right foot and know what's going on inside your body with Inside Tracker. All right, friends, back to the show. Um, you mentioned coaching with Laura Thwee. I didn't realize you were doing that. So talk to us about that a little bit. Yeah, we both coach at Monarch High School in Louisville, which is where I went to high school. Oh, fun. Uh, it's really fun. Kent Reader, who's the head coach, was my head coach in high school. So it's fun to kind of come full circle and come back and be in that coaching role with him. Um, I think coaching high school for both Laura and I, I know, brings a lot of balance to our running mm -hmm. because we see how like pure and enjoyable it is for these young kids who don't know. They also don't know much about running. They're not like a team that follows the sport super closely. So to see them just do it because they enjoy it, they like spending time with their friends, you know, like learning, I guess, relearning why I started in the first place has been really fun for me and just has, again, allowed me to kind of like relax and appreciate how far I've come and um, know that it's it's all because I've worked really hard and, and just trying to encourage these kids to do the same. And I think my story has resonated with them because a lot of them now have faster mile PRs than I did in high school. So I'm like, you guys can go as far with this as you want to. You just got to show up and keep working hard. And I think that's um, hopefully kind of helped them see their potential and has really encouraged everyone to stay motivated. <laughs> but, you know, there's obviously days where we catch kids walking and things like that. But I try to remember, like, I did that in high school, you know, like I'm trying to find that balance of um, letting them have fun and also pushing them to, to work hard. Yeah. So do you like, is that every day? That's a big time commitment, I feel like. 
Yeah, it is every day. I usually go on workout days, which are three days a week. Um, Track season is a lot harder because as we all know, track meets go for like 12 hours a day (laughs) on Saturday. So I usually can only go for a few races because I either have a workout in the morning or the next day. Um, Cross country is really my favorite to coach because it's just like a couple races in the fall back to back when I'm not in my big training block. And it's, it's always so fun. Like I just love cross country and it's something as a like post-collegiate athlete that you don't really get to do anymore um so it's still fun to be a part of that sport and I mean it's just it's definitely time consuming but again I think for me it's given me a lot of purpose outside of running um and I also like to weave in my nutrition knowledge to them even if they don't want to hear it um so I think that's been really fun for me to to learn too that I love working with high schoolers and that's something that I like doing as a dietitian as well um so that's been fun for me just to kind of enjoy that population and remember what it was like to be 16. <laughs> okay, let's talk about the dietitian thing. Fueling Forward is your business. How much work are you putting into that and how much do you work with the team boss ladies on nutrition? And I guess you have males, yeah. obviously you have males on the team now too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the reason I started my business was because I needed that flexibility to train Um, I am like, so not the person you would expect to start their own business. So I'm still sometimes surprised that I did that. Um, (laughs) but after working those 40 hour weeks and running, I was like, this is not for me, not going to do it. So looking at Boulder, when I was moving home, I was like, there really aren't that many dietitians in the area. And there really aren't any that are so involved in the running community. So I was like, why don't I just try to fill that gap with my knowledge of nutrition and running and kind of combine that into my own thing where I have that flexibility to train. Um, And it took off a lot faster than I thought it would, I think, because my teammates have such a big following and they've been so supportive in sharing my business and my Instagram and all that. Um, So it took off really quickly and kind of just got the ball rolling with little to no business knowledge (laughs) and honestly have absolutely loved it. I love getting to choose who I work with and kind of building my dream clientele by being involved in the running world has really allowed me to get the best of both worlds, which I've absolutely loved. Um, And working with Team Boss, I would say I don't work with every single person. There's a lot of people who really have a grip on what feeling needs to look like. I mean, they're pros and they've been doing this for so long. Um, And I think they're a great group of, of runners to look up to because they really understand the importance of feeling well. And we haven't had any injuries really on our team since I've been a part of it for almost four years. Wow. We've had like Aisha's knee was kind of a freak thing, but like stress fractures, things like that. We really haven't had any of that. And we've been able to train really consistently, really show up when it matters. And I think having younger athletes see that and know like you can't take shortcuts and you can't underfuel and you know try to change your weight or things like that to get faster. That's not what works. Feeling consistently and taking care of your body is what works. And I think the team boss kind of approach to that really speaks volumes just in the success everyone has had. So that's been really fun for me. Um, and working with my teammates, I think they all are really great. Like they'll always ask me questions and things like that. It's obviously different when your dietitian is also your teammate that you live with for a month at camp. And, um, they, they know that I'm never like judging their food or (laughs) anything like that. I'm just here to help. Um, but they all do such a great job that they're a very easy group to work with. So that's been really fun for me. (laughs) What are like, what are big game changers in nutrition that people can make to, 
elevate their performance. I mean, I, I just, I'll give myself as an example. I don't, I don't pay much attention. I eat pretty, pretty healthy, but I'm not like, I'm not like making sure I have this equal amounts of protein or carbs or anything like that. I just eat what I think is fairly healthy. I indulge sometimes, you know, all those things. Um, but what is like a game changing piece of advice that you've seen people implement that has helped them? Yeah, I think my overarching theme for nutrition with running is that healthy does not always equal fueled. So getting runners to understand that like eating a big salad, like, yes, that's healthy, but that's not giving you anything in terms of calories or carbs or protein or things that we actually need to be a good athlete. So a big thing has just been educating athletes that our needs are different from general population needs. And a lot of things that you hear like, carbs are bad and, you know, we should be eating more veggies. Like those aren't really directed at endurance athletes. So helping people navigate those kind of big misinformation things that are out there on social media and the internet and all that has really helped a lot of people learn that like, okay, I need more carbs. I need more of this. This is going to help me run faster, not eating a bigger salad. Um, so that's probably been the biggest thing. And then I would say learning, helping people learn to eat consistently throughout the day. So my rule of thumb for most athletes is every three to four hours have a meal or a snack. Um, and then always eating before and after training, even on easy days. I think that's the biggest one. Runners are like, oh, I don't need to eat on this easy day. But the next day you have a hard day. So if you deplete yourself on an easy day, you're not going to feel good on, on that hard day. You're not going to maximize that recovery day. So getting people to understand it's not just about like one day of fueling or one time of fueling. It's about that consistency. Kind of same thing with training. Um, the more consistent you can be with fueling properly, the more results you'll get from your training. My um, One of my neighbors is on this like low-carb diet thing and she plays tennis she's not a runner anyway her and her husband have lost like 15 pounds they didn't even need to lose weight but whatever <laughs> and she's like you should just try it blah 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 and I'm never gonna try it but um, yeah I really reaped the benefits though because she walked her hello fresh over yesterday that was full of rice and sweet potatoes and she was Amazing. like we can't eat this tonight we can't there's too many carbs for us and I was like thank wow. you thank you very much yeah, I will ingest like, well, all I of those carbs so. for you <laughs> yeah I know that low carb Diet is going to, I don't even get me started. That <laughs> mindset, I just can't handle it. And I know that if you are like not physically moving your body like a lot, that it's just a totally different conversation. But um, yeah. yeah, I was like, I'll take all those carbs. Yes, please. Yes. Thank you. All the carbs. Always take all the carbs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> let's um, let's give just a quick rundown of, um, since we have a dietitian on the show, um, you finish a 45 minute easy run. You finish a hour workout with like, say, mile repeats in it or something. Mm -hmm. Right after the workout, would you feel any differently? Usually on easy run days, we're back in time to like make a meal. So usually my post run like meal on a on an easy day will be breakfast or something like that. Um, on hard days, I think it kind of depends on how much time you have. Um, usually we go lift first. So I'll have like a protein drink with carbs in between the run and the lift, or if we drive somewhere to go do the workout, I'll have like the protein drink on my way back to go make food. Um, I mean, you do need more on hard days compared to easy days. So that's a really easy way to get more is just have something more post-workout on a hard day compared to maybe an easy day. You just go have a meal. 
but anytime it's going to be more than an hour, you know, having something like a chocolate milk or a bar or a shake, um, that's really going to help you recover faster, which is important equally on recovery days and on hard days, because it's all about that consistency in training. And we can't have that consistency if every day we're not recovering our best. So I think it kind of depends on what your schedule looks like. But for us, usually it's a meal on easy days and then like a shake and then a big meal on hard days. What protein powder do you use? So I actually use Scratch Recovery because it has carbs in it. I think a lot of runners are like protein. And yes, that's great. We do need that protein, but we also need the carbs. So a pure protein powder is not going to help you recover the same as something that has carbs as well. Um, What I have a lot of athletes do who like the protein powder is I have them have like a banana or a granola bar or something that's pure carbs along with that protein shake. So you're getting both. Um, And I think that post-workout carbs is something that a lot of endurance athletes miss out on. Yeah, you don't hear it talked about quite as much. Mm-hmm. I was just yeah. I was just thinking about that before the call. I had some edamame and I was like, eat the apple too. Eat the apple yeah. too, Lindsay. <laughs> exactly. There you go. You got your carbs and your protein. <laughs> I had like five minutes before my interview after my run and I was like, just like throwing it yeah. in my mouth, knowing, and this wasn't, be- I had an interview right before you, but knowing that I was interviewing you like mm-hmm. after my interview before this thinking like, oh, yeah. you better get your, you better get your carbs and your protein in. Yeah. Yeah. That accountability piece. <laughs> yeah, totally. The program, um, the simple start plan on your, on your website that I saw, tell us about that. It seems like super affordable and, and it, like with lots of information. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's basically meant to help people see that it is really easy and simple to fuel consistently. Um, I basically put together four weeks of menus and grocery lists and recipes and fueling tips and things like that and kind of put it together into a program. And what I've heard from a lot of people is that they didn't realize that they weren't eating enough until they did the program. And then they felt so much better afterwards because they were getting more balance, more consistency. They weren't having these big energy like spikes and crashes they were having more balanced meals and snacks and just feeling better overall. So that was really fun to see because, I mean, it definitely took me a lot of work to put it together. Oh, I bet. Um, yeah, but I think the, the hardest part for people is they think about changing their approach to fueling and it seems overwhelming. And it's like, oh, I don't even know where to start. And so I'm just not going to do it. Um, and I'm really big on like very easy recipes, very easy meals. Like I don't have a ton of time to spend in the kitchen. I love cooking and maybe I will on the weekends. But during the week when I'm running and working and doing all this stuff, not really something I have time for. And I think that's something that a lot of general like population, no matter what you're doing with training, can relate to is just not having that time. So I think getting people to see that it's not as hard as you think. You can start really simple and kind of once you get into that habit, it's really easy to maintain it no matter what your schedule looks like. Um, I got some really positive feedback on that. So that was fun for me to see. Yeah. Did you like notice any big changes when you decided to train for your half marathon? That's such a big jump in distance. Yeah. Um, yes, because I was doubling also. So like, you know, some days I'm running twice a day and working in between. And so I definitely noticed that I was feeling in general a little bit more fatigued, but I usually just tried to eat bigger, like a little bit bigger meals and snacks when I could always having like dessert or something after dinner and then having a bedtime snack. Um, Just knowing that like getting in those calories and getting in that balance is important. Um, Making that a priority because otherwise all that training is going to go out the window if I get injured or I'm too tired and not recovering. 
um, you have to have both. You can't have one without the other. So luckily I know that (laughs) and was able to make it a priority and get through that half marathon training healthy and show up on the start line feeling good. So that was, it was good for me, I think, as a dietitian who works with a lot of endurance athletes to experience Mm -hmm. the longer distance and more training volume. Um, because even though I already could relate now I can relate more to that, how that might change. Yeah, that's so true because as, as even if you know the knowledge, if your body hasn't experienced that level or that sort of fatigue, like, I don't know, it's like easier to, pra- it's easier to preach it, right? Like I, I know exactly. what you feel right now. <laughs> um, what's your bedtime snack? What's your favorite, like last thing I eat before bed if I need to get a little more calories in? Yeah, I love cereal and milk, like mm. a sugary cereal and milk. I love the, um, the Cheerio cinnamon oat crunch. That's my favorite one right now. Um, I like that or like chocolate checks or um, things like that. I love sweet cereal and milk before bed. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. When I was pregnant, the nine million times I was pregnant, (laughs) cereal is like I I I don't think I'm alone here. I think that like this is just a pregnant thing. Like I just wanted cereal all day, every day. Mm -hmm. Give me cinnamon toast crunch like the cereal. I would just like never buy either. (laughs) And always before bed, it would be a bowl of cereal. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it's crazy how your cravings <laughs> change like that. Like, it's so weird. Yeah, yeah, totally. But it's a great carbon protein rich snack. So there you go. There we go. <laughs> um, all right, Maddie, this is just you are such a fun interview. This has been really fun. Oh, thank you. So great. Uh, what's something professionally or personally that you would like to do that you haven't done yet? Oh, man. Um, I guess on the business side of things. I am working on building another program, which is something I'm excited to do. Um, and just kind of working on expanding my business a little bit so that it's really setting me up for success when I'm done running. That's Mm -hmm. something that I've been working on. Um, and from a running standpoint, I think, um, I would really like to finish top 10 at a big championship. That's so exciting. That is so fun to see you um, like just pursue the entrepreneurship side of things and kind of just have a long view of, yeah, you're going to be able to be in the sport for forever, really. Yeah, I know. I hope so. I'd like to think I've made it sustainable for myself. (laughs) That's so good. Uh, What is the best, most recent book you've read? So at the end of the year, I went down a little like World War II rabbit hole and I loved The Nightingale and oh. All the Light We Cannot See. Those are two of my new favorite books. <laughs> okay, I got to read. I have not read either of those books. And so good. It's insane because I've read so many Kristen Hanna books and that's mm-hmm. the that's like her best one, supposedly. Why yeah, have I not read that? It's incredible. It's definitely like heartbreaking and hard to read at times, but it's it's really good. Okay. And All the Light We Cannot See is like... New York Times bestseller. Like, I feel like everybody's okay. got to read that one and I, for some reason. Yes. Haven't, so, okay. Mm-hmm. Giving me a yeah. nudge. Highly recommend. Yeah. <laughs> Who's someone fun, motivating, or inspiring you'd like to have coffee, tea, or cocktail with? Oh, man, this is always a tough one for me. Um, I feel very fortunate in that I get to have coffee and cocktails regularly with people I'm very inspired by. So, honestly, I'm not sure. Um, I think a fun person would be Jake Offerman. I think he's really hilarious. He's uh, Nick and New Girl, and I think he'd be funny to get drinks okay. with. Okay, <laughs> okay. I didn't know the name, but I do know who Nick and New Girl is. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. I like that answer. Uh, what's your last message to leave with our audience today? I think probably my my quote that I've tried to live by is, someone else's success is not your failure. I think learning to separate 
you know, somebody else succeeding doesn't mean that you did something wrong or that you're not succeeding. Learning how to be happy for other people, whether that's seeing somebody do something that you wanted to do in business or in life or in running, like learning how to be happy for them and also still working towards that yourself has been huge for me. And just learning to be there for people while still knowing that like, okay, just because they beat me to it doesn't mean I'm not going to get there. Or just because they had a great race doesn't mean that I had a bad one or workout or whatever. Um, I think that's a good you know, mindset that we could all learn how to practice a little bit more, not only to be better friends, teammates, partners, whatever it is, but also to just learn how to be the best version of ourselves and not compare ourselves to everybody else. Somebody needed that today. That was so good. (laughs) Thank you, Maddie. Thank you so much for having me. This was so fun. Thank you so much, Maddie, for coming on the podcast. And thank you so much, friends, for listening to the show. Don't forget to go check out our new podcast in the network, Ready to Run. You all can follow Maddie on social media. She is M-A-D-S-A-L-M 12 on Instagram. Her nutrition business is called Fueling underscore Forward on Instagram. Fuelingforward.com is where you can find out more information about what she does. You can find me personally on Instagram, lindsayhine626, on Twitter as well, at lindsayhine. We have a great Facebook group. We'd love to have you join that community. It's just called All Have Another Podcast. Um, all the show notes, links to sponsor codes, all that will be at sandyboyproductions.com. You just got to click on All Have Another in the podcast tab. And uh, you can also sign up for our newsletter there. I just mostly just email out the show notes every week. So if there's a book or anything we talked about that you want to refer back to, that'll be in your inbox once a week. Friends, thank you for being here. Um, This conversation, along with a couple other nutrition inspired conversations have encouraged me to launch a nutrition series podcast this summer. So stay tuned. We're going to do another six week bonus series episode All things nutrition, hydrating, electrolytes, carb loading, all the things um, coming up soon. Make sure you're subscribed to the show so you don't miss those Monday drops. All right, friends, have a great rest of your day, a wonderful Friday, a great weekend. And as always, we will see you next Friday.